Welcome to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. Today's message is a continuation of the prophetic training series brought to you by Lane Reading. To find out more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. tonight um, from last week. Um, There's a session two around what we were talking about, Um, but I, for some reason, felt that I needed to deviate. Excuse me a moment. Do you need that app? And um, I just, for whatever reason, felt I needed to deviate. So hopefully I'm hearing. Otherwise, I will have wasted your time. Um, But before we get there, maybe I'll make you laugh or shake your head. Um, Because we have the tradition of the jokes. So Steve um, Owings sent a few. So... Hopefully, I do him justice. How do you fix a broken brass instrument? With a tuba glue? (laughs) These are definitely dad jokes, as my daughter would say. All right, so I get to change it? All right, thank you, Dom. Um, Did you know if you rearrange the letters of postmen, they get very angry? You rearrange all the letters they have to carry. Okay, and here's another one. Did you know diarrhea is hereditary? It runs in your genes. <laughs> all right, now, <laughs> now from John Ammon, we have a few more on that sarcastic sense of humor. Did you know light travels faster than sound? That's why some people appear bright, right up until you hear them speak. (laughs) Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. (laughs) (laughs) To steal ideas from one person is plagiarism. To steal from many is called research. (laughs) Uh, The bus station is where a bus stops. A train station is where a train stops. That's why on my desk I have a workstation. (laughs) It's where it works. Yeah, okay. Now we're going to go into some nerdy jokes. Two antennas met on a roof. They fell in love and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was great. (laughs) Why did the programmer use the entire bottle of shampoo during one shower? He read the instructions that said, lather, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Note I said he, not she. (laughs) <laughs> While a photon was checking into a hotel, a bell stopped, 
a bellhop stopped and asked, do you have any luggage? And the photo replied, no, I'm traveling light. <laughs> Did you hear that old math teachers never die? Yep, they simply lose functions. <laughs> Okay, and last, how do you keep warm if you're locked in a freezer? Stand in the corner of a room because it's always 90 degrees. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, let's jump into this. So, seeing and the kingdom of God. So, um, and the scripture I've got up there is from 1 Samuel 9.9. It says, Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophets were formerly called a seer. And so we're not going to go much into the Old Testament. I mean, really, there's a tremendous amount that could be said and should be said. Um, but some of that will come from Ed in a couple of weeks when he comes out to visit us. Um, there are some distinctions between, so to speak, prophets and seers. And, you know, that's kind of at this level. But what we want to talk about at this level, because the whole series we're discussing on, and let me change the slides since I'm doing that now, is we're talking about experiencing the gift. Oh, it's, it's sorry, it's showing up for me back there. I don't know if they can put it up on for everybody, but that's what everybody's seeing online. Sorry, um, I apologize. <laughs> As everybody turns their back on me, no? <laughs> but um, we're talking about experiencing the gift and the spirit of prophecy. And part of this, as we've spoken about, is there, there are different ways that people hear and experience God. And so what we're going to go into is more of the seer side. And I think this, this gift is less understood, um, especially some seers that I know. It's so natural that they just think everybody does this. Um, and, and it can get... A little awkward at times, um, and normally it comes out in, in some different ways. And what I mean by that is, is there's different ways of seeing. So let's just jump into this. And again, remember, this is a, I'm just starting conversations. So seeing, you know, as I've got here, point number one, there's the natural seeing with our eyes, okay? What's in front of us? Um, and there are some people who are seeing, and it's happened to me on occasions where literally I think I'm just seeing. I mean, I see people in the room, I see chairs, I see carpet, and I see something, and I think I'm just seeing. Um, some of you have heard me share an example from many years ago. I was ministering on the stage, and there was a lady sitting in the row. I don't know if remember if it was first or second row, but... Um, she was sitting there, and I saw this giant chain with this wooden plaque across, and it had a word on it. And I'm like, okay, that's really bizarre, you know. I was relatively new to the States, and I was in Texas, and 
I'm like, I don't even think this is like normal in Texas. That's like really big. And I didn't realize, you know, for a while that I wasn't seeing what everybody else was seeing. That she literally was not wearing that. And I didn't realize that until later because I, I turned around and I didn't see her wearing that anymore, which was a relief. <laughs> but it was a learning process for me. But there's some people who grow up just seeing things. And it's so part of their normal life. And so that's one of the first levels. Number two... <laughs> We have a figure of speech. So when I say, I see what you mean, I'm not literally seeing, but in my mind, I'm understanding something. Okay? So there is that figure of speech of seeing. There is also the imagination or the impression. You, 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 you have a sense of something. Artists are typically really good at that. Sculptors, they, they see something and then they start working it out. Not always, sometimes they start and, you know, things come to them. But there is that part in your imagination. And then last but not least, and there's more we could go into, when we see spiritually, when we know we're seeing something that nobody else is seeing. The crazy thing is Scripture does all of these and more. You can... You can have a, dream, a vision in a dream where you see something. <laughs> um, and Scripture's full of these if you start reading more of what is actually said. And um, there's experiences, as we've read, where something happens and some people hear this, some people saw that, some people... And not everybody in the same room hears and sees the same thing. And we'll get into one of those. So... Although I'm focused primarily on seeing, what I, what I want us to understand is that this, this canon does happen. Now, that doesn't legitimize everything. As I've said, we, our experience doesn't determine our theology. And we have experiences. God has made us experiential. Even in the scientific community, the best definition um, for consciousness is what we experience. It's personal. It, it, there's, not a, there's not a hard and fast rule. I still find it fascinating that, you know, everybody knows the color pink. Technically, that doesn't exist. Our minds actually make that up, and we actually make it all up the exact same way. And they've proven it. Can you imagine having that job description? <laughs> I just proved the color pink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that there are things that we don't understand. Some of you might remember I spoke about when the first um, Europeans, you know, came to the Americas, the, the native people at the time had never seen ships. And so as the ships came, they literally did not see them, even though they were there. It took one of their spiritual leaders who would often watch waves and figure out patterns and began to see wave patterns 
that they'd never seen before, and slowly these images began to emerge, and they began to see ships, and nobody else could see them. There's also stories of one a gentleman got locked in a freezer and actually wrote on the wall as he died of hypothermia. The problem was there was no power. The freezer was not on. He thought himself to death. He froze himself to death. So why do I bring that up? Because there is, there is a power in our mind as well that we need to be aware of. Okay? God wants to speak to us with, through our eyes. He tells people, look, see, touch. What, what do you see? Let me explain it to you. He also uses it as a figure of speech. He also gives impressions. We get, you know, that's why we had that saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. It communicates something. Sometimes we have those images, those impressions. And then when we see things that that either excite or overwhelm or disturb us. And so people have that. A lot of times that will happen in dreams. It's very interesting to me that in January and February, there were several younger, younger kids who had dreams of the end of the world. And I remember encouraging them, saying, look, there is an ultimate end meaning to this, but... Let's see what happens in the next couple of months. And guess what happened? In a sense, the world came to an end. Not, you get it? There was something cataclysmic. And so it's learning to understand imagery and symbolism that sometimes is also difficult. Okay, so let's move on. Let's just go make a point. So how did Jesus minister? Because he's our ultimate example. John 5, 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, meaning, I ain't lying. I say to you, the Son of Man, I can do nothing on my own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Interesting, it doesn't say he only does what he saw the Father write down in Scripture. He only does what the Father speaks to him in dreams. In this example, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Philippians um, 2 6 says, For though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God to be something grasp. In other words, when Jesus was on earth, he didn't function as God, he functioned as human. Which is just to say, if he was looking to see what the Father was doing, that's what God is asking us to do. It may not be your primary gifting, how you function, whatever, um, but it is something, as we'll see, that God promises and is close to his heart. So, one, we see just one example. Jesus was a seer. He, he, he only did what he saw the Father doing. So it begs the question, which at some point we need to answer, how do we know when God is moving? How do we recognize that? How do we participate and do what Jesus did at a much smaller level, obviously? None of us are Jesus. Even though he is human, he's the only one who never sinned. Um, and that's a whole other story in of itself. So let's just move on. 
Second point here is Jesus was a seer. Luke 10, 17 through 18, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Some of you have heard me say, I think what he was seeing was as they were going out casting out demons, he saw things going on in the spiritual realm. It could mean ultimately, you know, a revelation thing, but it doesn't tie in with what was being said and what was going on. I think he literally saw what they were doing and what was going on in the spiritual. And so that can take some adjusting to when you see things on different levels. Then we've got John 1, 47 through 49. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Like, where are you getting this from? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Well, he was never there, so that cannot be physical. They didn't have Google and cell phones, so Philip could not have called ahead, because if you read the story, Jesus saw, and because he saw something, he understood what it meant, and so when he met him, he knew. We could go on, but we get a glimpse. Jesus was a seer, okay? Let's go into the next one. Um, John the Baptist was a seer. He was the greatest of prophets of all the Old Testament, it says, up until this time. And yet, what, I mean, in a sense, what did he do? I mean, you can list all the other prophets, but what did, yes, we know he baptized, but really? Like, so let's have a look. John 1, 32 through 34. And we've covered this, but we're going to look at it from this angle. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And remember, it wasn't a dove. It was like a dove. And it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain... This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The interesting thing here is that it says you will see the Spirit descend. It's not told how he will see it. But he makes the connection because he sees something coming on Jesus that he had not seen. And that helps him believe and do what he did. Interesting, let's, Luke 3, 21. Um, well, let me go back there, sorry. Um, I'm jumping around here. Luke 3. Sorry for those online. I'm jumping around. There we go, back. Luke 3, 21 through 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
So do you see how from different perspectives we get, not only did this dove descend, but this voice speaks. But John says, I saw this. So there's a lot going on. When Saul gets knocked off his donkey, it says, some heard this, some heard that. Well, I, 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 if it was God, surely it would be that simple, right? I mean, we'd all know, and, and it's not always that way. That's why we've been discussing it's so important for us to judge things and to understand and have inputs. But John the Baptist was a seer. There's more we could go into, but I'm just touching it. Um, okay. How do we become or enter into being able to see? John 3.3, 3, Jesus answered him, <clears throat> was one of the religious leaders. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot become a Christian. No, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I believe this is both metaphorical and literal. Because if you don't become born again and have the spirit, you're not going to change the way you think. So what you see, you won't understand. But it also means that without the spirit of God, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you don't see. And unfortunately, there are some people who are seeing but aren't born again. And so they don't have a gatekeeper, as we'll talk about in a bit. Um, John 10, 9 through 10, Jesus saying of himself, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. And as my little point up there says, this is both a promise and a warning. Why? The promise is, is that if, we, if Jesus is our door, if we are born again, he will protect us. But if he isn't, then you are subject to the spiritual entities that are out there both good and bad. That's why there is scripture that warns. And, you know, it says that Satan disguises himself as light. But notice the end here, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so we have to judge by the fruit. Sometimes what we see or what we hear doesn't necessarily make sense. Not everything we experience seems pleasant. Or, I mean, Daniel has this open vision and he, he has no clue what's going on. And then God sends him, you know, an archangel who then shows him more things, and it leaves him sick in bed for days. Well, that doesn't fit my theology. I thought it was that abundant and more. And Well, we've got to keep it in context. Remember, God is other. 
Now, the story with Daniel doesn't end there. He keeps his relationship with God. It's not like it stops and he keeps being in the Word because it says right after that, he keeps reading Jeremiah and it says he begins to realize that Jeremiah prophesied Israel would be in captivity for 70 years and he begins to realize the 70 years is coming to an end. And so he begins to understand all this negative stuff in the context of what God is saying. And so this is why we need to be with people that we can share these things and not make judgment calls or theology based upon our experience. We need to bring it into what is God saying. What does his word already say? How do we function in this? This is why we started with that whole first, you know, foundation of teaching in session two on, you know, how we experience God as a communicator and how we judge what we get and why that is so important. Seeing isn't wrong. Seeing isn't right. It's seeing. I mean, is a knife wrong? Well, if you're trying to hurt somebody, yes. If you're trying to cut steak, it's your best friend. (laughs) It's how you're using it. So, okay, so we see here that the, the promise is that when Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we are listening and trusting and growing, that he promises to protect us. And we could go into more scriptures, but again, we're starting conversations. Let's move on. So then we also have the eyes of our heart. So in Ephesians 1.18, Paul is, is talking about this prayer, and he says that having the eyes, meaning that having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which you have been called. This is kind of like in our emoji world where you see the light bulb going on. The eyes of our heart. Okay? But it's not just understanding. It's understanding and you're beginning to see something intellectually differently than you did before. It's an aha moment. Paul is literally praying and teaching the Ephesians to pray that they would have aha moments about the hope to which Christ has called us. There is something about the eyes of our hearts that God wants to get a hold of. Another way you could say almost is a part of that is our imagination. This is why the scripture says, take your thoughts and think on things above. Take your thoughts and bring them into captivity to Christ. Why? Because our imaginations must be changed. Otherwise, we we see, but we interpret incorrectly. So many people have had dreams about being chased. 
And a lot of unsaved people are having dreams about being chased, about something big and scary chasing them. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying in a context is a lot of times those people, people go, oh, that's the devil. No, it isn't. God is scarier than the devil could ever be. Why? Because he is almighty and he is different. And if you're not saved and he's chasing you, it's pretty terrifying. And so if we're not listening and seeing what God is saying to that person, we miss it. So Christians... Not all of your being chased dreams are the devil. Sometimes God is trying to chase you down to kill something in you. He really is. There's that little scripture that says, take up your cross daily. It's not on my refrigerator. I doubt it's on yours. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. But it'll help us understand. Just as if people keep saying, oh, this light's appearing to me. What's the fruit of it? It can be God. One of my favorite stories is from John Paul Jackson, where he said his son said to him that this light bulb appeared to him in his bedroom and spoke to him. Well, if you had a glowing being showing up in your room and you were four years old, what would it look like? Instead of reacting to language, hear the heart. I remember one lady saying, you know, raising her kids, that her one child had an imaginary friend until the imaginary friend kept telling their child to do things that got worse and worse and worse. And so instead of reacting, she just said, so let's introduce your imaginary friend to Jesus. And the kids said, oh, no, mommy, he's getting really angry. And, and so I guess what that was. Now, does that mean all imaginary friends are demonic? No. It takes wisdom. This is that kind of seeing the kingdom of God. What's going on? Does that make sense? Matthew um, 18, 3 through 4, it says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles themselves like a child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that doesn't mean to say be gullible and stupid. Remember I've said we tend to do that. We mustn't commit intellectual suicide and swallow everything. But we mustn't become over-rational that we miss out. Why does Jesus say? He says you must have the faith of a child. Now, it's talking about in relationship to him. Trust him. Lean into what you hear him say through scripture. If you have a dream and he's speaking to you, why is this important? We'll get to in the, the next little bit. What I want to ask, well, let's, let's go to this next scripture and then we'll do some. So it's a promise to the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So when you die, 
You'll be pure in heart and see God. That's what it's saying, right? What? No, it doesn't give a timeline. And the context would actually say what I just said is blasphemy almost. Because it's one of the beatitudes, which is a fancy way of saying, Jesus saying, when you embrace these things in the life you're living right now on earth, here's what God is saying. Literally, God is saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because the pure in heart will see God. And then I've got this, one, this Titus 1.15 scripture. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and consciences are defiled. Why would God say that? To help us, not so we can become judgmental, we, so that we can understand what the point of purity is. Purity isn't self-righteous and, you know, when I toot, I have toot eau de cologne and, you know, when I burp, I, I never burp. And I, I mean, we get so ridiculous. God saved human beings, you know? some point I want to have a discussion. Now, what were you thinking when you created the way of eliminating food? Really? Like, I could think of so much easier, better. Uh... But that's not what he's talking about here. To the pure, all things are pure. That's what God is wanting to move on us. That's why he wants to touch us. He wants to purify our senses, but also the way we think and our imagination. I remember my friend who's coming, he used to irritate me because he talks in images so often. And at some point, it just irritated me. And, I, you know, and I, I forget what was going on, and I was just saying, God, what is this? I love this guy, but he always talks. And don't you see this? Don't you see that? And I was like, No. <laughs> You know, and, and I just felt God say to me, you don't understand who he is. And if you feel misunderstood, it's ten times for him. Not that I felt guilty, but it was a context. I was seeing something I'd never seen. And he began to explain to me this gift. And I began to understand it, and we began to talk. And I began to see it explode in, in, in ways and in levels. I mean, my first encounter with the seer was it was the first time I was at a church. I'd had a dream the night before, and it was Bob Jones. There were about 2,000 people, I think. Anyway, I hadn't said a word, hadn't spoken. Nobody knew my accent, nothing. And he calls me out of the audience and tells me that he saw jacaranda trees. Well, those are the national trees from where I come from. And he starts telling me what he sees around me. And he goes, okay, so you're from Africa. You're from South Africa. No, you're not from Durban. Oh, you're, you're not from Pretoria. You must be from Johannesburg. By what he's seeing on me. I was like, did you have a botany lesson? I was like, really? How do you? Now, 
Do you think that changed my world? You have no idea how it rocked me. <laughs> that wasn't the only thing he said, but that was one of the uses of the gift of seeing, and I began to understand my friend more. Why do I share this? Not, it's not just about me. This is about us and what God is doing with us. Remember I said, when this happens, God is asking us to lean into. God, why am I seeing this? What are you showing me? Sometimes he explains, sometimes he doesn't. But we stay open and we listen. And he begins to sew things together. So I, 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 uh, uh, listen, I'm trying to decide. Let's, let's finish up with the scripture, then we'll go into this other thing. So some of you know that Enoch is my favorite hero that I hate. Serious. I mean, he was seventh generation from Adam and Eve. And let's read it. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was, he was not, sorry, that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. In other words, nobody could find his body. He just disappeared. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, why would God say that? Remember, does God tell you to breathe? No, because if you don't, you die. <laughs> you can ask him face to face then. Because this isn't obvious. Remember, Hebrews is written to Hebrews. So do they know about Abraham and faith? And yeah. Why would he tell them, you must believe that God exists and he's the rewarder of those who seek him? Because at times you're going to be convinced he doesn't exist and he only rewards those who defy him. You just read the Psalms. That is part of the battle. Why do I hate Enoch? What did he have to stand on? I mean, serious. He didn't have scripture. He didn't have the Torah. Moses was thousands of years later. It says he, you go back to Genesis, he walked with God for 360 years and was no more. I want a little more than that. It's like, I want detailed instructions and... But don't you? He didn't, this wasn't even the New Testament. He didn't even know God could raise somebody from the dead. Who had been raised from the dead? Or who had escaped death? But by faith, not by his good works, not by, by faith. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. How did that happen? Who told him that? Did God tell him that? Did Adam tell him that? I, 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 I don't know. 
That annoys me. How dare you? <laughs> Sometimes I don't have enough faith to wake up in the morning. It's like, really? God, oh, God, it's the morning. And he walked with you for 360 years, not minutes, hours, days. And maybe it takes 360 years to live by faith. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, God. This is Enoch. We've just read to the pure in heart, God will show us. He wants to show us. Why does it say that? It doesn't clearly explain, but we see Israel before the mounts of God and there's fire and lightning and everybody's trembling. And, and what happens? Moses goes up the mountain, is gone for 40 days, and they go, we want a golden calf. We want something we can see that doesn't look like that. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Thank you. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> the challenge here is that it's vulnerability. God is moving. So what I want us to do, we've got a few minutes is not just harp on Enoch and the challenge that it is, and not that we need to somehow become something, but the issue is that God has touched us and moved on us, and it's an invitation to more. Because he wants to touch and move on others as well. And he wants us to be able to follow his lead, like Jesus. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So I want to take a minute and I want to ask you to just think through. Has God shown you some things? Do you see things and you just don't know what to do with them? And put it before him. So, Dad, I ask now that you speak to us specifically in this area of seeing. Dad, in this time, I continue to ask that your voice become louder and louder to us. And that the voice of the enemy and that the voice of accusation, that the voice of despair, all of these other voices, God, that would detract and take us away, God, would become silent. It is because of Jesus that we could be pure of heart. It is because of Jesus that we can see your kingdom understand what you're doing and what you're saying. And so we thank you for all that you've done, God, all that you said. And we just lean into you for what you are doing and what you're going to do, for the wisdom and the insight and the provision 
and the understandings, God, and the partnering with you. Help us to hear you. God, for those that have shut down their seer gifts because of abuse done to them or, or just being worn out, I ask for refreshing upon them, God. Father, for those who are called to intercession, God, that this gift is so strong on them so that they can be watchmen and watchwomen, I just say, arise in the name of Jesus. And God, help them to have greater wisdom as you show them things to listen as to how to pray. More and more, God, we need your wisdom on how to pray. Father, for those that you are speaking to in dreams and showing them things, I ask, God, that their their faith would continue to grow. Continue to grow, Father. And that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, God that the eyes of the seers would be open, God, in every way, naturally, metaphorically, spiritually. God, for the prophets, that you open the ears. All of us, God, are called to hear and to see your kingdom. In Jesus' name I ask for this. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you would like to find out more about who we are, you can find that at ctfboulder.com. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow us on all of our other social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. We post different content on each platform, and we want you guys to stay as updated as possible. We have so much love for you guys. God bless.